Hi, friends, and welcome to Let's Talk About Healthcare, a podcast about the challenges and the opportunities, the good and the not so good, and the moments of joy found all across our healthcare system today. And remember, it's up to all of us to make healthcare work better for everyone, one day at a time. We are super, super excited for today's guest, Ronette Adams-Taylor. She is the Associate General Counsel and the Director of Compliance and Risk at Meharry Medical College. If you haven't heard about them in the news or what, what they are doing, both for the city of Nashville and on a national scale, uh, they are, have been doing incredible work to help keep, keep both our country and our local city of Nashville safe. Uh, well and informed through COVID-19. And we're so excited to be able to talk to Ronette today a little bit about what that's been like and and what her team has been up to. So Ronette, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Give us your background, your current role, and and what does all that entail at Meharry Medical College? What's a typical day look like? And, And give us that overview. Okay, Um, as you indicated, my name is Renette Adams-Taylor. I am a Mississippi girl who loves to travel, so COVID has kind of put a rough patch on me on that. (laughs) Um, I have a hodgepodge of degrees, um, a BS from Alcorn State and a couple of masters from, one from Carnegie Mellon and FIU. I got my law degree at New York Law School. So in and out the area, I am approaching my 10th year at Meharry next month. That's hard to believe, but as you mentioned, I am the Associate General Counsel and Director of Compliance and Risk Management here. Um, That falls under the Office of um, General Counsel. You know, you asked about what does a typical day look like? Yeah, in healthcare and higher ed, there is no typical day, especially in this Office of General Counsel, you know, between eight to 10 hours a day, it can be spent in various ways. You know, typically it started out where I might spend part of my day reviewing contracts and, you know, drafting and reviewing institutional policies. I could be meeting with students, their faculty member advisors and uh, to help them ensure um, compliance for community initiatives they are pursuing. We have a lot of entrepreneurial spirit students and they love helping the, the community. So they have great ideas that have really have moved us in different directions and improve the resources that we provide our community. So I, I am proud of our students for that, but it could be helping them kind of pursue those ideas and ensuring we're meeting regulatory, whether it be state or federal um, regulations around those things, to um, boots on the ground with my team. I'm very hands-on, I try to be, um, as we are conducting compliance and risk audits for um, our corporate or clinical settings, compliance training, a lot of that was face to face, but, you know, but just and or either providing, you know, updates on data privacy issues or things with our executive team. So that was a typical day and it was exciting. The, I, I wanted to ensure when I left law school that the position that I held was something that I didn't do transactional work every day. So um, I love the fact that I was in an academic setting. And so no day is the same. I don't always get my to-do list done, but it, <laughs> 30%. So that's a good thing. <laughs> that's, I, I, you know, that's a good day when I can get 30% of that done. Um, so that was the typical day pre-COVID. So let, let's, that, 
that I'm glad you brought that up is, you know, about a year ago now is where, um, yeah. really COVID COVID hit the news in a national way. Yeah. Um, and it certainly hit y'all's world as, as Meharry has been such, so pivotal in the Nashville response. What, so that's a typical day. How did COVID change your typical day? And has, what, what of that is still continuing today? What was temporary? Sort of talk me through what your early experience was sort of January, February, March last year. You know, starting in, in January, like most of the nation, the word COVID-19, the coronavirus, we heard it on the news. It's like, oh, okay, is it here? It's here. How far will it stretch? You know, is it something that we have to worry about? Everyone had that thought, I, that thought process. As you know, our president is renowned in research. So it was the front, in the front of his mind and a lot of our researchers here, but I don't think we really put pen to paper of how that would affect us on a daily basis. This is not the first virus that has affected the country, but from a global perspective, this is the first one since you know, the Spanish influenza. So starting at the end of February, we allowed or we had conversations with our employees who were immunocompromised, and as I like to call them, our seasoned employees to say, hey, you know, do you guys want to think about working remotely for a few days just to, you know, test the waters? And it may not last long, just a couple of weeks. Just our whole goal is to ensure that everyone was safe. So that started by the middle of February, I would say. And then boom, March hits and here we are. And you are hearing conversations that everyone needs to go remote. Everything has to stop. And so what became a typical day for the college, and again, this is a healthcare setting and not just a healthcare setting, it's an an academic science. We're doing research, we're training the um, up and coming biomedical and healthcare professionals how do we do that remotely? So then became, well, how do we handle this? How do we place the college on a remote trajectory? How are we going to service our patients when patient safety is priority? Telehealth, everyone knew about that. We were doing that um, periodically through our different clinics, but not as much because again, you have to think about Meharry, we are here to serve the underserved and underrepresented. And so the population that we served, they were not used to telehealth as a, the um, number one priority when they wanted to see a healthcare provider, whether that be a medical or dental. And our students, they are on rotation. We have accreditation guidelines where they have to have face-to-face interaction with patients. So how does that work? Um, So the day went about where do we stand from a federal guidelines perspective, a state perspective, as far as maybe setting up telehealth medicine, being able to communicate that to our patients, um, setting up a virtual learning for our students. How is that, how does that affect us from a compliance perspective? You know, we, especially, you know, you have these enabling technologies, but are they compliant? You know, are they HIPAA compliant? Are they FERPA compliant? These are the regulatory guidelines we have to face. And so how do we remain in compliance with the governing bodies and yet still advocate for both our patients and our students in the most efficient way? We knew we had to 
um, because again, that's what Meharry does. So the days really went to being, how do you manage a completely remote campus when no one's here, but there's more exposure, less people around? What does that look like? So staying compliant in a global pandemic can become taxing. So the day shifted to trying to get together policies and procedures in place with executive leadership, with our deans and and communicating that out to not only um, our patients, but to our students as well, because they are our internal clients. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm so glad you touched on this. That was was my follow-up question is, um, as COVID-19 became a challenge for the whole college um, Mm -hmm. uh, across the whole campus, what are the factors that made that particularly challenging from a compliance or a risk perspective? And you touched on so many of them already, telehealth and just policies and procedures. Um, so what, what are the other challenges that you, y'all had to really tackle, the ones that really stick out to you? And are, are there any just stories or memories that you're like, gosh, and here's, and here's a, a moment that I'll never forget in, in where we, how we solved something creatively or, or just a challenge that we overcame? I'm just curious what you would say. It was important that Meharry be a leader in the COVID testing framework. Um, first, you know, the campus of Meharry, the first centralized COVID testing was here on this campus. And that's important because one, it's what we do, right? Serving the community. But two, our president was out in the forefront. He had been tapped as, the, uh, as a member of the, ta- the mayor's task force. It was important that we have a, a testing site in this community and because people are scared. They, they've never, many people never lived through this type of um, pandemic in their lifetime. And when you are dealing with individuals who are, are often at times overlooked, you need a beacon in the community. So it was important that we as Meharry took that lead. And really what I am proud to say is that Our team, the compliance and risk team, were instrumental in those meetings. They were there from a logistic perspective, um, setting up, uh, determining how the flow should run on the campus, um, consent forms that were needed, because you have to think about that. You're dealing with people's um, um, private data health information. From environmental health issues, how are we disposing of the tests that we were uh, taking? That we were taking. Then you had the students; they wanted to be involved. Were we exposing them from a med mal perspective? You know, what's the, what were their risks? What were the risks from our faculty members? And so there are a lot of things that we had con- to consider. And and what happens when hot spots break out at Meharry? When you are a center of the pandemic and for its testing, your role, what happens here is magnified because of the current role that we had in the community. So how are we addressing that on a daily basis? So those are things that you know we had to think about. I am happy to say that the team worked together. We, our students wanted to be involved, so they were there uh, on the ground level with helping at the campus and and testing our faculty members, they wanted to be involved. So many of them would spend part of their mornings testing on campus and then going into their respective clinics and continuing their work in telehealth. My team, we, they were the ground runners as well. They 
the, the ones that got the, the um, gloves out, ensuring that the lines were working well from a logistic perspective. And then at night they would come and do their job, <laughs> their, what their job descriptions were. But it was important that we stay involved just from the exposure level. This could um, the having a, a testing site on a campus would bring. And I'm happy to say that because we did it so well, it's amazing how you have so many innovative people on campus, you don't know it until you run into a crisis. But because we did it so well, then we were able to leave the other two sites that the city ran. And they're up and running and they're growing well. But you know, Meharry has definitely played a pivotal role in testing. Um, it's allowed our team's expertise, as I said, to just kind of shine in both of those areas. And, and I believe having compliance of risk on the front, front line ensured that Meharry and the city was taken care of with the best interests of the city in mind, best national and industry practices being followed um, and displayed our commitment to our service and service for all mankind. Um, you know, as we had hands-on roles in serving our community, we also had to think about reinforcing um, risk and compliance rules and guidelines that change daily or change periodically through the day. So how do we work with that? How do we work with individuals having alternate work days or remote learning? So, so the threat of a global pandemic is frightening, but I'm, I'm glad to say that we have definitely stepped up to the plate and we've enjoyed it. We've, we've, it's tiring work, but at the end of the day, as, as you say, as they say, it's a good type of tired. And we've, in, yeah. and we've enjoyed being service to the community. I, I just, I want to take that moment just to say really explicitly as a, as a citizen of Nashville, we are grateful for oh, the work that you and your entire team and entire campus uh, continues to do in keeping everyone safe. You mentioned early on the population, the, you know, the populations that you serve, but in, in so many ways you have served our entire city. And so from, and uh, from one healthy Nashvilleian, <laughs> we, are, we are, you know, we're, we're grateful. So thank you for that leadership. It's, it's, we will always be grateful. Thank you. Thank you. I wanted to share, you know, touching on this, maybe a little bit broader of the role, and you've mentioned it several times, but something that we, uh, something that I've, 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 I've told a lot of stories about and had a lot of conversations about is the role that compliance plays and risk plays in keeping people safe and the direct connection between the two. And so I'm curious as to uh, has this, has, has navigating COVID-19 at Meharry, has that changed your perspective on that at all? Has it enhanced it? Has it, uh, do you define that a little bit differently? I'm just curious when you personally going back to how, where you started the interview, which was, you know, you wanted your position at a law school and uh, to be able to keep people safe and make an impact, right? And you've certainly done so. I'm curious about whether that has, the way you define that, has has that shifted at all as a result of this experience? I think it it has to. It definitely has to. And, and it has, you know, Meharry has always been a beacon for fighting for the community. And we've been patient focused and constantly working to ensure, you know, the safety of our patients, the safety of our healthcare providers. Um, and that's done on a daily basis. But now with this pandemic, you know, how, how do we do that in a, in a different environment? Especially when you have we have systems that are always changing. So 
Um, from a compliance perspective, you know, I go back to protocols and guidelines. That's changed. How are we pinpointing how, for example, communication with our patients? You know, again, those enabling technologies are out there, but how are we ensuring, ensuring those technology solutions are best effective for learning, um, best effective for in our patients and, and getting across what their interaction with their healthcare providers. Um, like, you know, these things all come up with risk mitigations we have to think about. You know, how are we measuring those risk mitigations, those risks? Communication is key. I, I've always felt we have effectively communicate, have been effective communicators, but that has changed a, a lot. You know, we, we are, have found a cadence as far as our communication is concerned as it relates to change in protocols. There are things, you just think of in, in your everyday life, you, you let some things go and it's like, okay, I can handle that now, but you have to be on point these days from a compliance perspective with the change in, in how the pandemic is going. And so be it updating our policies to ensure all our stakeholders are properly um, engaged. This is our new normal, our new normal of using Zoom, our new normal of using Microsoft Teams, of evaluating vendors. And I'm so happy with our collaboration with provider trust, just happy in general that we have partners who help us with as we navigate vendors that are popping up and whether or not they're on an exclusion list and what does that mean for us? Because that's important. You know, money comes in and out from a financial perspective, from an operational perspective. Compliance hits everything. It's just not healthcare. It hits, we are, our office sits under as a corporate compliance. So operationally, um, our policies have changed. Uh, how we are viewing data and data security and cybersecurity has changed. We are looking more toward ensuring that we are bringing out more audits, bringing in more, collaborating more with um, individuals who have expertise in those areas because we need it. As we expand our research in from from a COVID nineteen perspective as well, we we are seeing a, a collaboration with our other schools, um, not just in the, the Tennessee and Nashville community, but throughout. Um, so guidelines have changed and, we, and we, we are trying to quickly adapt to that, but still ensuring that we are serving the underserved and underrepresented. And I think what has happened is we are finally able to show Nashville how well we do this and how well we have done this. And so, and that's how we measure success is by helping people. Yeah, I'm, I'm, thanks so much for sharing that. Um, one of the things that you, you touched on a, a couple of times was how does, you know, so, so much of the change that has involved compliance and that compliance really does touch everything. I'm curious if there is a, is there's an example of, so I'll back up for a second. So much we hear the narrative of trying to connect HR and compliance as it relates to some employee-related issues. Yeah. I'm curious of, of whether you're, as a result of this experience, has your, your team's compliance relationship changed with other departments in terms of you're now working with folks that you weren't really working with all that much in the past, or has it been pretty consistent? And you, it's just, you're we're reacting to things as they happen in the world, but it's typically the same folks in the room. I'm just curious about how that's evolved maybe over the last year or so. You know, compliance plays a major role in everything. We are often seen as um, 
peacekeepers um, because we help all understand institutional policies. Prior to me stepping into this role, my predecessors established a wonderful rapport with all the departments on the college where you know compliance was involved, has, has been involved in everything that we do, everything that is that the campus does. So we have always been intermingled uh, with all the departments on campus. COVID-19 just shed a, a greater light on this. But again, as I said, when I stepped into this role, the one thing that my phone does not stop doing <laughs> is ringing. <laughs> and, and our emails are, are coming. And, but I'm happy about that. Um, and the reason why is because it shows that we have had an impact on the Meharry campus, that they know that they want to alert us to any changes. And we, and as the current environment begins, these ebbs and flows, that compliance is there to help master our way through, to help provide that advice. So now we, you know, we were never just connected to HR. We are connected to every integral piece of the Meharry campus. We sit either on the majority of the committees that are on the campus or have some type of input on the work product in some way or form uh, that comes out of those of those committees um, just because of the nature of compliance and risk. Um, you know, and unfortunately the climate only is allowing for virtual meetings, but we get the word out via email, Zoom teams. So we are mastering this whole remote meeting thing, but we're staying engaged. And that's important, especially in, in these difficult times. Absolutely. Um, just one or two more questions. The first one is, what are, what are some of the moments uh, throughout 2020 in what was certainly a challenging year for all of us, but, it's, but a year in which Meharry really shined? What are some of the moments that, that you're most proud of or that brought you the most joy throughout was, what was a, a, certainly a, a, an unforgettable experience? Yeah, um, there's so many. I, I'll, I think I'll, I'll go with two. One's from a community standpoint. An example, there was a moment with a, a, a particular person, Nashvillian, um, who was in transit, I would say, um, from a, a home situation. Um, and she would come to one of the testing sites on a regular basis, but was afraid to be tested. And when you were in the shelters, you have to be tested in order to have uh, somewhere to stay for that night. So for the weeks that she came, she never would never be, never wanted to get tested. So I think this went on for like five weeks. And eventually, you know, the, just the team smile and encouragement to her, she finally allowed one of the members to test her. And so that night she was able to have a warm place to stay. And you know, as well as all of us, the temperature begins to increasingly drop in Nashville starting in February. So I'm happy to, to know that we have been a beacon in that way, that we, that people see us and feel comfortable and engaging us and knowing that we have their best interest at heart. So that's that's one of the joys, just seeing the, the interaction with Nashvilleans and, and not just the underserved, but all of Nashvilleans. We are, we've seen the compassion of this city 
Now, whether it's encouraging all our testing site employees or temp workers by bringing coffee or donuts and encouraging us along, that has brought me joy. Just hearing that, oh my goodness, I've, I've heard so much about you guys. I'm so happy to see that you all are out here or your students are doing, doing an excellent job. You know, when you hear about the students, it's like a proud parent. Oh, wow. Thank you. <laughs> you know, they've gone out without us and they're continuing to shine. So that brings me joy. I think the other thing that I that's brought joy is really, again, Meharry's, Meharry's how we look in the community. You know, when Dr. Fauci and Dr. Hildreth met last week with the summit, one of the important things about that event is something that we knew firsthand, and that's the disproportionate disparities of vaccines and the underserved and underrepresented community. Um, we're considered the most vulnerable, right? But the challenges that Mahara that, or that the minority African-American community have faced is not having vaccinations or a vaccination distribution area in that community. So, so there has not been a place since December that uh, a vaccine distribution area for the underserved. And Meharry is changing that. Um, we are shining the light on that. And so that was important to highlight that on the front end. So history from now when our children, David, are, you know, are in the history books, that's not going to go unnoticed. That's something that we stopped at the beginning. We noticed things and the summit um, was a big part of making sure that there was an active voice for that community. So Meharry's active voice on us mandating that Meharry become a vaccination center was important. You know, it's also important that Dr. Hildreth is on the White House task force. So we're moving that conversation along so that those who have not been seen or have been overlooked are, are now being seen and are, are getting the services that they need. So that brings you joy. It brings you joy to know that you're doing something to move the needle, not only in that community, but globally as well, nationally, and, and people, people are taking notice. So. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's history changing and world changing for sure. So thank you for, again, for your leadership in it. The last one, last question I have for you today is, is a bit of a lighter one, which is uh, what are you, what are you currently reading? What brings you inspiration? What's on your bookshelf Any, anything that's bringing you inspiration these days that you'd be willing to share? Look, I, you know, nothing philosophical, <laughs> you know, whatever my eight-year-old is currently reading in his chapter books, I think now is the Greystone Manor, The Secrets. <laughs> but, uh, I have, um, and after years of being in school, I want things like, but I, I think I'm, I'm now in the middle of three different books, depending on what I feel like to for that day, I'm reading The Panther in the Hive by Olivia Pope. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it, it's easy reading. Um, and some days when I feel like I need to just talk to a girlfriend about everything, I'm reading Becoming by Michelle Obama. So <laughs> it really depends on, on how I'm feeling for that day. But that's, that's what's on the bookshelves at the, the Adams Taylor household. Um, but what is a inspiring to me is that the impact that Meharry has had on the community 
um, via our COVID test. And we've shown the community that we are here for them, not just, again, the underserved and underrepresented. We've shown the Nashville community that we are here for them. We, from a regional and national perspective, again, long days, but it's a good tired, and I wouldn't have it in any other way. Rona, this has been absolutely incredible. I am so grateful you chose to spend uh, a couple of minutes with us and just to hear your story uh, and just to be able to continue to, to shine a spotlight on the incredible life-changing, world-changing work that you and the entire team at Meharry continue to do. So thank you, thank you, thank you uh, so much for spending the time. And we absolutely look forward to continuing to amplify uh, all the work and all the education and, and everything coming out from your team. It's been an absolute pleasure, so thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Let's Talk About Healthcare. Remember, it's up to all of us to make healthcare work better for everyone, one day at a time. Catch you next time.